And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. Two preseason games in the book and only one more to go. And I'll be honest, guys, full crew here. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. His name at the very beginning of the show, so you know he's here. Uh, I got to be honest. I feel pretty good about a third preseason game. I've really actually kind of enjoyed the first two preseason games, maybe even more than Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to. And I'm also glad there's not four of those suckers this year. Oh, I mean, the players may not have you know, done a great job in terms of negotiating with the league and, and like, <laughs> hey, do we really need 17 of these? But look, one less preseason game is probably a total sum win for yeah. most of us. You know, obviously there's guys at the bottom of the roster uh, who are going to try to make one more impression on Friday against the Minnesota Vikings. But look, it's... um. It's been fun to know that the Chiefs preseason games, to me, have kind of meant more than the average NFL team because some coaches, you know, are not Andy Reid. And they're like, why would I put anything uh, out there of any value in terms of personnel packages, obviously star players? Um, Has Matthew Stafford played a preseason snap, Josh? Not that I've seen. So, hey, you know, your whole season could come down to whether or not your trade's going to work out with your new <laughs> starting quarterback, but you ain't going to see anything <laughs> in August. You know, Justin Fields kind of looks great, kind of doesn't need to play behind that offensive line ever again. Uh, <laughs> that's that, that's not the starting offensive line. So, look, like, the Chiefs have played more snaps than the average team, both starting offense and starting defense. So, that's been cool. We will see how much that continues on Friday. Um, but I get the sense that three preseason games is fine. And two years from now, we'll start to complain about having three of these things and wanting two so that I can get to an 18-game schedule, which is ultimately the goal that Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones and insert whoever NFL owner wants. Seth, I saw you tweet, I think it was during the, the game against the Cardinals, that like you were kind of enjoying getting to watch a Chiefs game and like be invested in the performances, but not be stressed out about the result. And I thought that was a pretty good mindset to have. It's a wonderful place to be. You can just enjoy football for being football. And I love football. And the problem is when you're watching football and the football matters, <laughs> boy, is it just too much? Like that's it's just it's too much. It matters to me so much. I spent all of go last. Ahead, go season. ahead and clear your throat. It's okay. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Um, <laughs> so, I I spent all of last season like in between games insisting like, well even actually before last season started I was like oh man they they did it, they won a Super Bowl 
everything after this is gravy. And starting week one, I was a train wreck during every <laughs> game. And like like the 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 pinnacle of that was actually not the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl went the way it went and you could see the writing on the wall after those first few drives. It was like, oh no. And the the divisional round against the Browns, I have never freaked out that much during a game for a variety of reasons. And so it's nice watching football and like just being like, oh man. That's a bummer. That was a big gain by the other team. Hmm. You know what? It's okay. And that that's nice as opposed to like just I, – I just get upset and I don't. So, yeah, it was nice is the short answer. He landed very professionally. Hey, hey, hey Josh, should we, should we remind Seth that in the AFC Divisional Round, the, the, the Chiefs never trailed the Browns? I know, but good – God, that got stressful at the end. <laughs> oh, like I just—I'll never forget. It was my—it was my first day in Florida, and I was freaking out in the backyard of this open-air condo thing, convincing the neighbors that I was insane. I mean, if you're in Florida, like it probably wasn't the weirdest thing they heard that day. For yeah, being honest, yeah. Hey, it was—it was nineteen to three at one point, sir. It's it's okay. It's but there's, okay. there's a piece in the calm of the eye of the hurricane when Patrick Mahomes is at quarterback, and whenever it's any given Sunday, it does it, you you move out outside back into the wind and the rain a little bit. I mean, I get it. You know, I yep. get it. You know, it was my, different. You know, the the dad joke in me from training camp is, you know, Henny is not supposed to be served hot. Put some ice in it, okay? Put some ice in it. You need Put some ice. ice in it, and let that thing, let that thing be, get a nice little chill to it, a little sip, sip, okay? But we don't <laughs> need to. This isn't like hot cider, no. Henny in the in the ice, ice in the henny. Now, Seth, henny is short for Hennessy. It's a popular alcoholic <laughs> beverage. You know. <laughs> oh man! I know. I I almost didn't even make the joke because I knew that there was a chance that you were going to have a very serious retort. It was going to go back uh, to you, your 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 uh, younger well, years or whatever. Day and, when I was a younger man, <laughs> yeah. Hey, and I just you used to party like it was eighteen ninety nine. I didn't want to tempt you to tell a story of your prohibition era parties, so I, I figured that I would just. I shall I, not. I snuck it in there, and I figured we could let it go. <laughs> My life began in 2006 when I met a wonderful woman by the name of Jazz Cole. And anything before that, I, I'm pretty sure didn't happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. That's that's even farther back than, than Nader I knew you. So, I mean, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, and, uh, and I need to take notes as to uh, what to say uh, prior to such engagement. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> that's, that's a, ah, my life began when I met you, baby. And that, everything before that is just a whole bunch of suck. It's just and, some, uh, it's a story. You know, I can't even remember what happened before that. In some cases, yeah. maybe literally, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, know. definitely figuratively. Yeah. I like that. Figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I can still remember is what happened in the second preseason game. Yes. Uh, I, I, I can feel that we're going to have to I'm going to have to try to be on the rails for the majority of this next hour, because having all three of us back, I'm reminded of how very quickly we could spend this entire hour talking about young Seth. And as much as I would love to do that, it does feel like we're not we wouldn't quite be living up to the, you know, the, our, our Apple podcast description if we if we went through the 
the Seth Kaiser story. Uh, so so let's pick a couple things from the first preseason game. In fact, I, uh, I'll, I'll, why don't we do this? Why don't we all pick a thing? I, I floated out a couple topics that I thought jumped out to me from that second preseason game. Um, but but if I if I open that up to you guys, um, Seth, you've been gone. What was your what was your biggest takeaway from from preseason game two or a storyline that caught on? I I hate the idea of picking just one, but I'm gonna. Um, the game two, and this is a continuation of game one, is that, and then I wrote about this at the Chief of the North newsletter, um, Creed Humphrey is so good. Yeah. Um, like, it, a lot of the conversation has been, and I know I'll, I'll try to keep this short because I'm sure we'll swing back to it. But a lot we, can, of the conver- we can talk about Creed a little bit, but this is a little jumping yeah. off point. I'm good with that. I... A lot of the conversation has been about, obviously, Orlando Brown. It's a huge storyline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how he'll do. Trey Smith, dude's pancaking people and was taken in the sixth round. And he's going to start. Like, that's awesome. What a steal. Um, even Lucas Niang is getting some run. Because let me just tell you, Lucas Niang is looking better than I thought he would. Just on mm-hmm. a completely unrelated note. Like, and, and, and Nate, you and, I, you and I have been optimistic to leave Josh out completely. Sure. You and I have been optimistic about Niang. And he's, man, it's hard to be that big a guy and move like he does. And it's impressive. Creed Humphrey through two preseason games has been the almost best offensive lineman. The only reason he might not be is because Joe Tooney is a robot built mm. to play left guard <laughs> who literally does the right thing every play and looks exactly the same. Like, he really, I mean, he is a, he's, he's a robot. But Humphrey has been really good. Like, not like good for a rookie good. And again, preseason caveat, all that stuff. We'll see how it goes. Third preseason game, we'll see how it goes when he's facing you know, the Quinn and Williams of the world and that kind of stuff, um, which he played in college, did pretty mm-hmm. well against him. Not mm-hmm. great because Quinn and Williams, he got him a few times because Quinn and Williams, he's going to get you a few times. But he, he's he been so good, guys. And so that's one thing I wrote about is he's been so good. And the thing with him is we all knew he'd be a technician. We all knew, oh, he looks so good in space on some of these screens, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so it's so fun. But he's had more power than I thought. Like, he's been a lot better in the run game than I thought he would be. Um, Not a bulldozer, not like Trey Smith, but he's got power. And everyone kind of sold him, myself included, as more of a Morse, where, you know, good athlete, always does the right stuff, great run blocker, but not a ton of power. Humphrey showed some power and some nastiness. I mean, he's been excellent. And that was my biggest thing, rewatching the line is how good Creed Humphrey is. Like, he's, like, not, like, good for a rookie good. He's, like, Pro Bowl caliber so far, good for a five-year veteran good. Two quick things, and then I want to hear what you think uh, What you think about that, Nate. But one, I'm going to say, go read this piece in the Chief of the, Chief of the mm-hmm. North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com is the link. You can get the links in Seth's Twitter account as well. I, I really had a lot of fun reading this because in the clips going along with it of – just watching Creed Humphrey do all the things that you just laid out there, Seth. I'm just going to tell people to go read it. Also, one quick – you know my memory's not very good. I talk about this sometimes. And so you know, I read the piece. But could you remind me, Seth, how many losses you charted for Creed Humphrey? Because I just cannot remember the number. <laughs> it's a really easy number to remember because through two it's like games – like one or two or three or four or five or six or be, seven or eight, right? It would be the same number of women I knew before I met Jazz. It would be zero. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I mean... I have never even met a single human 
before Jazz. I, I, I would chart home. you with zero losses in this episode so far too. So I'm, I mean, I see now I'm gonna start playing tight though. You know, you start you you you, you, you kind of <laughs> sense sometimes you sense that you're hot. You know, yeah. And, we, no. and, we, and it's and it's like we can't talk to you. I mean, it's a podcast, sir. I don't care if you're throwing a no hitter. Get your ass back out there and say something. <laughs> yep, yep. Time time to suit up again, buddy. Grab that ball. So he. So Creed Humphrey's loss percentage so far in the entire preseason, two games, and so you're talking a total of uh, 51 snaps is zero. He has lost zero snaps. And I don't know what the record is um, of snaps in a row I've charted without a loss, but it feels like 51's got to be approaching it because he just he does not make mistakes often. Mm. Or like ever, like ever that result in the loss. <laughs> he just he really you can tell this is a dude that and this was the scouting report on him coming out. Brandon Thord called him battle tested. Mm. This is a dude that started three straight years on an awesome offensive line every year, and they had to replenish guys. They had to change guys. Now he was the standard. He was the constant, and he was the anchor. And he plays just like that. Like he does not play like a rookie. But yeah, zero a zero percent loss. It's so much fun, man. Uh, Nate, what do you think about Creed? Anything else you you would add to that from his preseason so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I asked him about this earlier in the week about, and, and there's one clip in Seth's article about him moving on the perimeter. In this, I just have to, I just have to believe that the screen game has to sort of come back. Yes. Um, for the Chiefs' offense this season, just because it's another, it's another thing to help linemen in general, particularly young linemen, and the way Creed moves. On these screens or these, you know, short, hey, quick passes, let the lineman get in front. Uh, it's been really fun to watch. Uh, the thing that, and, and Seth sort of uh, mentioned this as well, the thing that came out of Oklahoma, um, and I'm going to re- reveal something kind of small in here, but like the thing that always impressed the people at Oklahoma was because he never really made the, mis- the same mistake twice, or mm-hmm. there were entire games where he never made a mistake. Both in execution, protection, understanding what his assignment was at the time for the down and distance. I mean, he's he's a unique person, um, and you're going to read more about that in the Athletic.com very soon. Ooh. Uh, so uh, you know, we may get into why he is he's very good. Um, so me and Seth are kind of doing a, a, a combo block here where Seth is sort of <laughs> taking care of the present and I, I'm trying to take care of the past. You're climbing to the second level, Nate. Yes, I am. Um, and so so I'm working on that right now. But look, he's he's someone who the first day in one-on-one drills, I was like, yep, I don't need to watch no more. Yep. So, <laughs> so now I'll always tell people that the night of the draft, and as I was telling people on Twitter, hey guys, might want to get your Nick Bolton jerseys ready. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, <coughs> inside joke, kids. Five picks before the Chiefs picked. <laughs> I knew who they were taking. Um. Anyway, so Nick Bolton was the first pick. Then you go down a little bit more, and even with all the hype and the necessity, and as much as the Chiefs sort of loved Nick Bolton. I get the sense that, again, it's early, it's the preseason, but even on draft night of the second round on that Friday, I sort of made the the statement that perhaps the best player taken in this draft class is Creed Humphrey. 
Um, and it's not sexy, but if he gets on one accord with Patrick Mahomes, if he helps protect Patrick Mahomes through the prime of his career, he's going to be the best draft pick in this class. And so yep. from the night of them taking him in the second round to now, uh, he he's excelled at every moment. And it's almost one of those weird things where we don't really have to mention Creed anymore because it's like, wow, look at what Trey Smith is doing. And wow, they took him in the sixth round. And there's a lot of interesting backstory to Trey Smith. Um, Lucas Niang opted out of last year. Could he be a starter? He was obviously in a battle with Mike Rimmers. That doesn't appear to be the case at this point. It 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 appears that the Chiefs are going to start three rookie offensive linemen. But even when like Tony Romo and Jim Nance mentioned this on September 12th at around 335, <laughs> it's not going to be because of Creed Humphrey. Like Creed Humphrey was the starter the moment they took him. Yep. Um, and so it's it's been it's been cool to know like from a scouting standpoint to obviously where he is on a mental makeup and um, what I'm going to sort of, you know, try to report and write about a little bit later. um, He's met every expectations and the expectations were pretty high when he got here. Um, Why don't you give me one of your takeaways, Nate, pick, pick something that jumped out to you from the, uh, from the Cardinals game before we move on to some bigger picture stuff. Okay. I know what you want me to say, guys. I know. It's a preseason. We're all hyped. I get it. I, like I put this on a T for you. Like sometimes we see something in a preseason game, and look, at one point in time, I was one of y'all. I get it. You know, I used to sit on my couch and someone would make a mistake in the second preseason game, and my dad would cut them in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> like that guy's cut. Okay? And it's like, Dad, there's still two preseason. No, he's off my team. I get it. Can we just calm down when it, when it comes to McCall Hardman? Just, Man. just take a breather. And I tried to say it at the moment, very clumsily on Twitter, but it's like, it's okay to miscommunicate in the preseason. That's why the preseason exists. The whole idea is he not good at that. I could have threw that ball better. Eh, <laughs> he didn't run the route the right way, which I kind of very well knew immediately. And then Patrick sort of backed it up because he mm-hmm. said that was a Tyreek Hill route. And I've seen Tyreek Hill run that route. Got, got, got to flatten it out, young man. Flatten it out. Yep. Anyway, it's okay. The whole season on offense in a lot of ways comes to is Patrick Mahomes upright? And then, how many plays can Andy Reid, Eric Benemy, Mike Kafka, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Blaymeyer, how many how many plays can they scheme McCall Hartman up? Because that's, that's the whole season. Like, there will be times where he runs by people. And if you're a Chiefs fan, you hope that Patrick Mahomes connects. Can he be a reliable person in the middle of the field, in the intermediate area? Like, the preseason is not really going to prove these things. So... I know Dave Toe said that Demarcus Robinson <laughs> drives him nuts. Oof. Again, take a deep breath. Both these people will be on the roster. Both these people are professional athletes. It will and should get better from here. But that was my biggest takeaway. It was like, wow, the, the discussion around McCole Harmon and the idea of like Jeff Schwartz saying, do the Chiefs have a, they, they need a legit second wide receiver. And it's like, I mean, they know that. Uh, but 
the answer kind of has to be McCall Hartman. And if it's not McCall Hartman this year, then they'll figure it out next year. But, like, the preseason is the preseason. I just – but, man, we got to get charged up, Josh. Are you charged up? I lost my charge over the rest of the week because mm. I have talked about McCall Hartman for a solid, like, I don't know, eight hours somehow at this point just since this game. And not it's I'm not all mad or anything. Like, he's not Sammy Watkins. He's not going to be the ex this season. And I would imagine. And also, we didn't even really get to see him in that role. This is what bummed me out, honestly, from Friday, is that he was playing the Tyree Kill role because Tyree Kill was out with the hamstring. Correct. And so he, I don't know that McCall Hartman really had the chance to prove a whole lot because I, I feel okay whenever he has to do some Tyree Kill things. Not every Tyree Kill thing. He is not the receiver that Tyree Kill is. We all know that. I'll continue to just continue to double down on that because my Twitter mentions are bad enough already. But... I know he can do some of those things and some of those manufactured touches that can also happen at various depths. There are those that doesn't always mean it's a it's a jet sweep. There's great stuff that McCall Hardman can do. I don't know that it's fair to expect him to be Sammy Watkins. And at this point, I think we mostly know that, right? And also, I've had multiple people have been like, "Did you know he's 23? Like he is not a he is a young young football player, but mm-hmm. he, he's entering year three, and so still hearing stuff about miscommunication, I will admit, is frustrating because you would rather hear that you hear that in a rookie preseason, of course. Second year, all right, maybe by the end of the year that's not an issue anymore. Entering year three, I would like for him to know where Mahomes wants him to be. But I, I I'm just my gas tank is pretty empty on on having any super strong opinions about McCall Hardman at this point. I, I kind of think I know mostly what he is, and it's got some good stuff, and it's got some incomplete stuff. I I think McCall Hardman has been an interesting case study in how players get viewed and talked about based on the draft. Mm-hmm. And Hardman has always been in the un- unenviable position that he was probably overdrafted, which isn't his fault, um, based on some very specific team issues, right? Yep. That all night, remember. They, here, I'll, I'll just put it this way real quick to save you the trouble if you want, Seth. McCole Hardman is, has had his best games without Tyreek Hill on the field, and mm-hmm. eventually I bet he plays for a football team that does not have a Tyreek Hill, and they try to use him as Tyreek Hill light, and it probably works pretty well whenever he's a— Washington football team member in, in a few years or whatever. Um, and as of draft night, the Chiefs didn't know if they would be a team with Tyreek Hill on it. Right. And there just wasn't a whole lot they could do. Um, they could have drafted and, DK Metcalf, I guess. But Yes, absolutely. And with what they knew about DK Metcalf at the time, it wasn't super, you know, like, they, they just didn't know, right? And I think, you know, hindsight being what it is, I think they'd probably draft DK Metcalf, right? Um, but they're, they were looking for Tyreek Hill light. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to figure out the closest thing they could find. And so you got a small guy who's got good quick twitch for a dude with elite high-end speed. Um, remember, Tyreek Hill wasn't Tyreek bleeping Hill coming out of college either. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, I mean, we need to be able to continue to stretch the field, build our offense around Kelsey, et cetera, et cetera. Would Metcalf have been a better choice? Obviously. That's very clear at this point. But I feel like the way Hardman gets talked about, you would swear that he has been just an absolute bum. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because 
he really has come in and generally speaking been very productive with his targets he has he you know and people would say well he hasn't measured up to his draft position and i think that's an entirely different conversation to have regarding of how you view the draft Mm -hmm. i would challenge people to go through and look at the history of draft picks wide receivers and then talk to me about whether or not mccool hardman has measured up to being a second round draft pick you know what I mean? It's just one of those things where it's like, well, you know, he's only got about 1,100 yards in two seasons, 10 touchdowns, if you don't include special teams, that kind of thing. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe there's a little more to the story there than that. Like when you, well, again, it, it becomes, I think, this idea that you should draft a star in the second round. And then everyone talks about DK Metcalf, right? Because you're going to think of the one dude. And I think that's just an unfair position to put someone in. And it's a frustrating thing. Um, I would argue that, like, if you hear the difference in the way Juan Thornhill gets talked about versus the way McCole Hardman gets talked about, both second-round picks, mm-hmm. both who have, um, for one reason or another, had maybe disappointing seasons in 2020. Um, I would say Hardman was better in 2020 than Thornhill was the vast majority of the year. But the two are talked about very differently. Now, Thornhill was obviously coming back from injury, right? So there, there's he's got some extenuating stuff going on, and I get that. And Hart, and Thornhill was better their rookie season. I get that too. But it's just fascinating to me how two second-round picks can be talked about completely differently when neither has been a star, both have been contributors, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I just want to tell people that um, until – we conclude the third season. I don't know how much draft evaluation honestly matters with draft picks, particularly first, mm-hmm. second, third round. Um, for instance, Justin Herbert may have a poor season this year, guys. Mm-hmm. It, it, <gasps> just might, it just might happen. I mean, it took Josh Allen four seasons to learn how to play quarterback. <laughs> um, I'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek, of course. Yeah. Uh, you well, know. Just on a complete side note, mentioning Josh Allen, I can't remember if you guys ever talked about it on the show. Once again, shout out to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs business department for that contract. Just mm. sorry. Mm-hmm. Just, just had to just had to throw that in there. Please, please continue. Took Josh Allen th- four years to learn how to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. And and is paid comparable to Patrick Mahomes. So I mm-hmm. mean, look, you know, like for I, I'm still someone that has seen enough things, maybe not under the, the lights, uh, that give me a strong indication that McCole Hartman is clearly the most breakout player candidate fantasy or legitimate statistic wise for the Chiefs offense. And it's because it's it's going to have to happen um, for the Chiefs to be as explosive as they can. Obviously, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey's 31. Tyreek Hill is a number one weapon. Um, but every coverage is going to be shaded to him, which is understandable. So, yeah, I mean, if McCole Hartman can a stay healthier than Sammy Watkins, I think more people as the year goes on will be. Um, maybe less uh, knee-jerky. And honestly, if Patrick Mahomes throws a better ball in the court in the end zone on, on that drive, mm-hmm. how many people are, like, chirping? I mean, it I just... I, the, the biggest takeaway was, all right, offensive line looks good. Uh, defense looks good, particularly in the secondary. Obviously, Thornhill involved. But, but, Josh, I just get the sense that, like, people are... The appetite is there for people to say, 
okay, but Cole Harbin has turned it on. It just, yeah. you know, things will be schemed up a certain way in September. And I just want to remind people of that because things were schemed up a certain way for Sammy Watkins on day one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then, of course, <laughs> Sammy didn't stay healthy. So even if you see something in game one, game two, I think all that is going to be fine. I'm more concerned about mid-October, November, December with McCole Hartman. Can consistency um, match the production given the expectations and the opportunities that are going to be there? But for a preseason game, um, it's better for this stuff to happen now versus later. I agree with all of that 100%. Especially the, he will have he, he will have moments. And you'll go, oh, there it is. There's the McCole Hartman. It's the McCole Hartman game. And then the next game, he'll he'll go two for 18 or whatever. And then a couple weeks later, he'll have another huge game. And that's okay. That is that is really valuable. That is a very valuable thing to have on your roster. But the expectation game, as we just talked about there, is obviously... I mean, that, that, can, that can be both the reason that a player stays in the headlines or it could be a downfall, whatever. I pulled up the draft class because I think it's kind of interesting, the, the context here to, to kind of... Seth, I think your, your point comes through very clearly, but there, he's also bookended very unfortunately here. Yes. Because so, the Chiefs trade up and, and take him at 56. They, they trade up a, a few picks higher, and they could have been in on A.J. Brown, who plays football like a Greek god. He went 51. Uh, and then Hardman goes 56. Then J.J. Arcega-Whiteside goes 57. Paris Campbell goes 59. Andy Isabella goes 62. I think oh, and Hardman, I, loved, I loved Andy Isabella. Oh, you yeah. have to. Oh, you have people to. wanted him. Who the hell on that train? That's another but, thing that people need to keep in mind. Like everyone that's like freaking out about McCole Hardman. He's been better than Andy and Isabella. But I know where you're going with this next one, though. Well, no, I mean, it's just it's that it's, he's bookended by A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. Yep. And, and and I think of that group, McCole Hardman to this point has had the third best career of those, what is it, six receivers that I just mentioned. Yep. And that seems about right. I, I would I would not trade McCall Hardman for Artega Whiteside or, or I don't like always put a T in there for Artega Whiteside or uh, or Paris Campbell or Andy Isabella, but AJ Brown and DK Metcalf could mm-hmm. legitimately be Hall of Famers. Like that's just it's just a it's a really unique group. And then you get uh, some more receivers later on that you know a few, a few picks later Deontay Johnson and Jalen Hurd who are not who are not knocking on that door right now either. Yeah, I, I used to live in Indianapolis, and I just want to remind Chiefs fans. The way y'all talk about McCall Hartman, just imagine how they're talking about Paris Campbell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I remember in the first round, there were two uh, receivers taken. Um, Hollywood Brown, who's been up and down, mm-hmm. um, who had a better who had a better 2020. But he was still, I mean, he was targeted a zillion times. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there, there's a little more opportunity there. I'm curious what McCall Hartman would do with 100 targets. We about to find out, Seth. And then, and then Nikhil Harry, who... Has had a tougher time of things. Yeah, it's a it's a unique draft class where where clearly the two best receivers from the class went fifty one and sixty four. Right, that's that's a unique place to be. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, real quick, here's, here's, my, uh, here's my takeaway from the first preseason game is a, a name that has been mentioned already. One Thornhill's back. We're good. Yes. We're all right. Um, he, he, real, 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 real quick. Here's the differentiation also I'll make from him playing deep into the third quarter, maybe early fourth quarter on Friday uh, versus how I feel about that versus how I felt about watching him get worked in with the threes at training camp. If the goal is to get Juan Thornhill as many reps as possible, that is totally fine with me for the reasons we've covered a thousand times, getting his mind right, getting his trust in his knee, getting him back in football mentally in a way that he's comfortable with. It just should start with the ones, in my opinion. Like, he should be there with the ones, and then also the twos, and then also the threes if you want. If he's not working with the starters, though, I I sort of question the value of that. And against the Cardinals, dude was out there just the whole game, basically. From from the first series, deep into the the game with the threes, and I am totally fine with that. Because that doesn't feel like them demoting him. It's just getting him reps. And, and that feels very different to me than um, the idea of, you know, him just, him getting on the field alongside Zane Anderson for the first time. And I, I, made, a, I made a point, um, and I know I haven't written about this just yet, but I made a point to ask Steve Spagnuolo, um, hey, coach, you know, it's a, it's a lovely Tuesday here in hot August. What is the value of Dan Sorensen? Because Mm -hmm. these two things, you know, coexist with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically, Dan Sorensen plays about seven position guys. Like seven. Um, Or can, I should say. He can can play seven positions. Um, There are four main linebacker positions. That he can slide down into, depending on the matchup, personnel, obviously who's available on the field. And then there are three primarily safety positions because they played three safeties quite a bit, um, particularly towards the second half of last season, um, that he can sort of roll in and out of, depending on what Tyron wants to do on a certain snap, depending upon, okay, is, is Juan the true 
deep safety here and he can kind of roam in that short to intermediate area of one side of the field. All this is to say is that Dan Sorensen has more roles on the defense right now than Juan Thornhill. Um, And that has played a factor based on my question to Spagnuolo and Spagnuolo telling other people when you go on the field, ask Dan what we're doing so that he can kind of be that second coach to communicate things with because Tyron is moving all over the place, which, again, sort of uh, explains Tyron's greatness is like he could he, he could also he could he could play nine positions, honestly, because there's a lot more nickel and he could play corner if he so choose, I guess. Um, but it, it's it's interesting to know that Thornhill has like maybe one to two rows. Yeah. Um, and for how versatile, how multiple Spagnolo wants to be in at least making the quarterback, the opposing offensive coordinator, the head coach, whoever the play caller is, as many looks to get them to think, that equates more in line to what Sorensen can provide as a guy who, um, as my memory is correct, uh, he is the most, uh, he's the second to most experienced guy on in the secondary. Tyron Matthew is entering year nine. Sorensen is entering year eight. I think that's really interesting. And also, if getting more reps to, to Thornhill means getting him more reps in more different places and different roles in the defense, ding, also ding, ding. super cool with me. Ding, totally ding, cool ding. with me. That, uh, yeah, Seth, I, think, I think that's what the preseason is serving right now. Again, big mystery when we're coming out of training camp, but I think mm-hmm. we are starting to find more and more, um, you know, substantive information when it comes to Juan Thornhill in this situation. That's a really good call on the Sorensen comp. I like that a lot. Uh, Seth, did you want to chime in on something with Thornhill there? I was just thinking this whole idea that, um, you know, Andy keeps saying things like, you know, he's going through some stuff and that kind of thing. I, I, I do think that this really is a continual evolution of getting his legs underneath him after a really bad injury. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to underestimate how long it takes to come back from that physically as well as mentally. Uh, let's talk about the thing that this show is made to talk about and talked about in its very earliest iterations. It's Jody Ford's season. Uh, <laughs> not just have Nate and I obviously had plenty of chance to talk about Jody Ford's. And also, Nate, I know we've heard from uh, Dave Tobe. We've heard from uh, Eric Bieniemy. I think we heard today from Andy Reid on yes. the topic of Jody Ford's. And I'll let you put all those necessary bullets in the chamber, but I'm going to go to Seth first because Seth, I listen, first of all, I think it, this is clearly far overdue i don't i think you should have been doing your jody fortson film review work like mid playoff run last year just based off previous preseason tape but since you waited until you had you know again preseason tape from this year jody fortson playing tight end a game where he did a lot of things um in the blocking game as well right tell me a little bit about the jody fortson film review yes those words just came out of my mouth which is up right now on the chief in the north newsletter um, not just the Jody Fortson film review. It's the Jody Fortson blocking snaps yes! film review. This yes! is how, this is as niche. <laughs> this is what we were made for! <laughs> this is as niche as it gets. Um, Put your biggest... hand in the dirt and move that man. And that... This is pretty niche, but it's not niche because I have no nihilism in my heart at all right now because of how good Jody Fortson is! <laughs> so, it's a philosophy joke. <laughs> that was that was good. It was it was an Uber joke. One <laughs> thank you, say. thank you, thank so, you. That's good too. Thank you. So the I must ask you to continue. 
Frederick Nietzsche um, had a big mustache? Yes. I. <laughs> so the thing with Fortson, <laughs> Nate, you wrote an awesome article on him, um, how ever since he got uh, cut last year, like he didn't make the final roster. Um, he wasn't sure what he'd want to do. And then the coaches met with him and set up, uh, basically, you know, convinced him to, you know, maybe try to move to tight end. And he's put on, I think he's like 20 pounds heavier now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's noticeably bigger. Doesn't seem noticeably slower. Um, I mean, he was always a step slow for a wide receiver, right? He moved well, great hands, high points the ball. But, you know, you could see the problems at receiver, even though I still love him and think that he should have been given a roster spot last year. But whatever. Um it's been the thing that people say the minute you 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 reference Fortson and how he should be playing, the first thing people say is, Oh no, you need a you need a you need an inline blocker. You need Blake Bell. You you need someone who can line up and, you know, knock the snot out of defensive ends. First of all, the Chiefs don't ask their tight ends to do that, including their <laughs> their tight end too. Right. You know what I mean? Like even like when it was like Demetrius Harris, they had doing a lot more blocking. Um, and Blake Bell, they had doing a lot more blocking. They didn't ask those guys to commonly like just line up and take on defensive ends and straight up pass pro situations. They might like during some rollouts and that kind of stuff where they only had to defend half the field, where they only, you know, certain things like that. Um, but generally speaking, as a Chiefs tight end, you're on the move more. There's a reason they call it a move, but that's a whole nother ball of wax, right? You, you're coming around from the opposite side of the line and taking on a linebacker defensive end. You are coming into space and taking on secondary players. The biggest thing is, do you have the willingness to try? To really put your body on the line, to, to get to the right spot to where you're in the way, and are you strong enough to take on linebackers in that hole or at least wall them off and occasionally a defensive end and that's and so that that's the big thing because people just wrote about over and over for oh he can't block he can't block he can't block so basically what i did is i presented clip after clip after clip until people had no choice but to say oh maybe he can he has shown he can do the things that a chief's tight end um who often lines up as an h-back type situation needs to do and that was the entire point of the article is that he can block well enough to make the roster. And when you can do the other things as well as he does it, that to me earns him a spot because he can do some things that Noah Gray hasn't shown he can do yet and that Blake Bell has not shown he can do. I'll make this note real quick and just sort of realizing it here. This is probably going to be our last show before the 53-man roster cutdowns because those are, are locked in by Tuesday. Um, and, and Wednesday's become a relatively frequent time for us to do the show, so I imagine we'll probably do a post-cutdown show. With all of that being said there, Nate, what are the Chiefs going to do with their tight ends? My best projection, not prediction, projection is that the Chiefs will stay consistent. They will keep four tight ends. All four tight ends will be on the 53. The initial. The opening day initial 53-man roster. Um, Dave Tobe said it, guys. <laughs> yes. Dave Tobe said it. I asked mm-hmm. him point blank. Who's been the person from the opener against San Francisco to obviously going into the preseason finale on Friday? Who's been the guy that's jumped up the most? Um from a special team standpoint, because ultimately that is uh, 
the value you have to have alongside whether you play on offense or defense. And uh, the only name that came out of Dave Toe's mouth was Jody Fortson. It's, we're almost here. Um, (laughs) I I just, last year, Ricky Seals-Jones, Nick Kaiser, Dion Yelder. Um, This group is better. Um, We know what Blake Bell can do from a blocking standpoint. Obviously, he, uh, he has a lot of familiarity with the offense, obviously being a part of the championship team in 19. Travis Kelsey's a Hall of Famer. Um, Noah Gray has been um, more impressive in practices than in games, but that's that's fine. Again, he a, he a, he a true rookie. And Jody Fortson has made um, remarkable improvements from one year to the next. And as you mentioned, Josh, Andy Reid has praised him today on Wednesday. Um, Eric Bieniemy, uh didn't say that Jody Fortson was on the roster, but he sure didn't stop the hype uh, from Dave Tobe. And Dave Tobe basically said, look, I mean, um, he has done everything they've asked. He's obviously initiated a lot of the conversations in terms of finding out what he truly needed to get better at. Um, and this is why the preseason exists, right? To see if somebody can improve themselves to earn a shot to make their NFL debut um, when they're coming from an untraditional route, uh, when it comes to the NFL, because obviously Jody was not was not uh, drafted, and he is not playing his quote unquote natural position anymore. So, um, I know this show started with Jody, and hopefully, the next time you hear our voice, um, Jody Fortson will be given an opportunity to see what he can do in a real NFL game. Um, now. A question that a lot of people will ask if he does make the roster is, will he be on the active game day roster, which is obviously not all 53 guys. Um, And that remains to be seen, depending upon the matchups or how he does in this last preseason game. But yeah, I just, I think think at this point, um, it's almost an assurity that they're going to keep all four tight ends. And there are certain skill sets you could do with all four that give the Chiefs just a lot more options in the group they had a year ago. You absolutely love to see it. Um, the the one the one piece of ramifications that could have since we're I, I do kind of want to look ahead to the fifty three a little bit is that that is a, a four tight end group is not a foregone conclusion across the board, right? Like you could vary if they would have just if they go with three or if they would have gone with three, um, it wouldn't be like deeply shocking. And I do wonder what that means for the rest of the pass catchers. Mm-hmm. Um, Running backs, it's Clyde, it's Daryl, it's McKinnon. Um, I would I would be perfectly happy to see Darwin Thompson uh, hurdle his way onto the practice squad. I'd still like Darwin Thompson, I, I think, as a you know little off-speed pitch maybe. Um, but I also just like watching him try to do crazy stuff. So I might uh, – there might be like a Jameis Winston of running back sort of thing there. Um, and I can't help myself. <laughs> when, when again, I asked Eric Bietamie, I'm like, does he get bonus points? And Eric was like, no, no, no he does not get bonus points. And I was like – I was like, well, you make a point. He is he is the shortest. He usually is the shortest guy on the field. But Drop hey, that, that pad level. You short- remember when Hurdle was an easier and weirder button on Madden? <laughs> it's like that's like he's still playing he's still playing 07. <laughs> like, like you remember when like the juke was just unbelievable in Madden and it would juke you like six yards to the left. 
<laughs> he just, I'm just going to juke my way from the right side of the field to the left side and juke out. That's Darwin like his, Thompson's playing NFL Street 2 in a Madden world. <laughs> he is. He's just like, he's like, oh man, I just, you know, he's, he's running up on defenders and Madden's telling him, Hit A, hit A, dive forward, hit A. And he's like, what's that? Hit Y to hurdle? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, is, it, is, it is quite the – I mean, he did it the first time, and I was like, didn't go well. But at no point was I surprised when he was like, oh, I can either gain additional yards and then run out of bounds, or <laughs> I can take this stuff in the run and jump over everybody. I mean, it was – the the confidence it takes to try that <laughs> yeah. is just off the charts. And I will say it was hilarious, objectively hilarious, when he had like his feet in front of him and the he kind of ended up with a couple of the players of the opposing team. It, it worked in a sense. And they were almost like carrying him and he was sitting in midair. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and yeah. It was like, I bet that's not what he planned, but it worked. Sure. And so I've decided hey. to attack every day with the confidence of Darwin Thompson thinking mm. he can jump over six foot NFL players, and I'm here for it. They they want they want look everybody knows, especially because this was on ESPN. So Darwin was yeah. like, "Oh, people are gonna know me, okay? If the Chiefs, you know, if it do, I, I think they probably should keep four running backs because you know." Mm. Darrell Williams just came out of the concussion protocol. Good Clyde edwards helaire has an ankle injury. Brett Veach has always kind of been someone who's like, you probably need more running backs than you realize, which is obviously they brought in LaShawn McCoy uh, right after he was cut from Buffalo. That's a uh, funny thing for Brett Veach to realize while simultaneously maybe not realizing another aspect <laughs> of that. Con- you know what? Never mind. <laughs> obviously they brought in... Obviously, they brought in Le'Veon Bell last year in the middle of the year, even as Clyde was starting to, like, get a get a feel for, like, obviously playing week to week in the NFL. Um, so, look, there, there might be – let's say Darwin has another memorable performance, whether he hurdles people or not. Uh, he may actually stay on the roster as, like, that fourth running back. Or do the Chiefs feel like we can hand the ball off to Michael Burton a couple times to get away with it? Like, again, these are the decisions that obviously will be discussed you know, Saturday morning, basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, whether Darwin gets released or not, he was like, "Hey, hey, put that put that clip out there. <laughs> like, let all thirty two teams. See. Hey, I'll even let the Cardinals see. I'm gonna jump over you. I'm gonna get those extra <laughs> the additional yards. I don't care how you do it or yards after contact. Where Darwin's like, I'm initiating contact and getting them yards. It's just, it's it's fun. It's enjoyable." He's uh, he is quite the character. He's always been fun to talk to. Um, oh yeah, no, he's great. I I genuinely like not not even like ironically. I like Darwin Thompson. I really do. Yeah, I mean it's it's weird. It's like Darwin Thompson, Mister Fountain, who we've talked about before. Yes, the ability for Marcus Kemp to just hey, he gets a little bit better every year. Like shout out to Marcus Kemp, gets a little bit better every year. Don't want to lose that necessarily. Um, you know, these are the, these are the guys that you're going to have to make a decision on, in my opinion right now. And who's the 10th lineman you trust, or are you good with nine linemen? Cause last year they had nine offensive linemen and 10 defensive linemen. I believe, do they flip that this year where they go 10 offensive linemen, nine defensive linemen? Do they do 10 and 10? 
it's tricky, but um, you know, in some ways, Saturday or excuse me, Friday will either help provide clarity or it'll just muddy the whole thing up even more. So I, I was gonna, I'm gonna go receivers, then I wanted to see what other groups you thought were kind of the most interesting right now. So we'll, we'll hit on that. Also, Seth like quietly, Seth had to go. Seth's been very busy. And he was like, I'm just going to quietly slip out when it be a big deal. But it would be so weird for him to have been in that conversation. And then the last 10 minutes of the show, we just completely box him out. It would be very weird, I think, as a listener. So listener know that Seth had to go. Um, so Nate and I'll take it from here. Even though Seth did make a Batman quiet exit, and I appreciate that, it would be very weird for us to not acknowledge it. Do, um, you do, mentioned, do we consider Minnesota to be Gotham? Or, or a little bit, yeah. I, I think mean, so. they didn't ask the, for him, but he's he's there. <laughs> he's the hero we didn't ask for, <laughs> but he's the hero we need right now. Um, if uh, more on the defensive line front, he had also had a, an excellent piece about the interior defensive lineman that went up uh, about a week or so ago. That you should also go read. One more plug for mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Um, but with that in mind, I, I want to get a couple kind of quick heat checks from you, Nate, in terms of, of position groups that still have some things to be figured out. Maybe it's something you can watch on Friday. Maybe it's just something you're keeping an eye on on probably Tuesday, although the Chiefs have been early on their cuts recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't even mentioned that they cut Taco Charlton. Um, and, and so I, I think we'll talk about the defensive line. You can explain why you think they did that. But the receiver group, just since we're on the pass catchers right now, You've got Hill, Hardman, Robinson, Pringle. Those four guys are 100% on the team, right? Yes? I believe so. Yes. Even really- even even though DeMarcus, you know, it just reminds me of Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own where he just says, you know, I just, I just want you to work on that <laughs> for next season. I just, I just want you to catch the ball and run forward <laughs> immediately. Okay. Um, just, just don't hold the ball like a sandwich. That's all. Don't hold the ball like I hold the sandwich. That's it's just you know yeah. what? That's not even true. I hold the sandwich more securely. <laughs> but yes, those four I believe are are pretty locked in. So then you get uh, just the rest of the list: Dieter, Kemp, Fountain, French, Shepard, Powell, Schoen. Um, actually, I think did Schoen end up getting this? Is I'm pulling from a list from a couple days back. I can't remember if he ended up missing. I don't remember. But you, you've got that list. Four guys are locked in, and you're probably talking about I – don't, I don't even know what number. I don't want to put a number in your mouth. But you look at Kemp, who is, like you said, gotten a little better every year, and Dave Tobe loves him on special teams. Yep. Reese Fountain just – he looks like the he looks like an ex-receiver. He's running out there with Dwayne Bowe's number on his back, and it kind of makes me feel some Dwayne Bowe things and preseason sample sizes. Um, and then Cornell Powell, they spent a, a fifth round pick on. So I mean, I keep looking at those three guys, but that takes you to that takes you to seven. Yeah, are seven guys going to make this roster if you're keeping four tight ends, maybe four running backs? So just for you know precedent's sake, they kept three running backs last year. It was Clyde mm-hmm. Edwards-Alaire, Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson. Obviously, they got Le'Veon Bell in the middle of the year around October. Um, that allowed them to obviously have four tight ends, six receivers. I think if we were in the room, we would probably go that route, Josh. Here's where it gets really uncomfortable. In the Brett Veach era, there has never been a draft pick who didn't make it through training camp and preseason. Mm-hmm. But as our good friend... Matt Derrick 
and I talked about earlier this week, based on where which players are getting which reps with their teammates, and I know, I know, folks, it, I can't really say it because it's like it's me not in St. Joe's, not a public practice, so I'm just. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna get a sense of what I'm ultimately saying here. I think this was also true in St. Joe, if I'm if I'm guessing right. Uh, I don't see how you can cut Fountain. I just I don't. Marcus Kemp again. He gets he gets better every year, and um, I think he has the trust of both Mahomes, Andy. Obviously, Tobe, how much Cornell Powell information you've been gathering, Josh, over the last two weeks? It hasn't been a lot. It hasn't been a lot. He's shown up really late in games. I don't remember him doing really anything much against the Cardinals. He had a nice catch against the 49ers on one of those late drives, maybe that last drive. Not the time you necessarily want to be on the field. So as we speak, um... On Friday, think about watch the game with this sort of thought process, particularly in the second half, because all these players are going to be on the field together, and it's a really interesting dynamic. But in the huddle, you're going to have Darwin Thompson, you're going to have Reese Fountain, you're going to have Cornell Powell. One of them is not staying, mm. in my opinion, right now. Now things could change. You know, there was a couple years ago where Byron Pringle was an undrafted rookie and he played phenomenally against the Packers, I believe, in the fourth preseason game in 2018. And he had a hamstring injury. And the team was pretty clear that if he had not been put on IR because of a hamstring injury, he would have made the 53-man roster. So there is still a chance on Friday for, you know, Cornell Powell to shoot out, you know, 185 yards, two touchdowns, goes crazy. Um, Darwin Thompson still has a chance, I think, in my opinion. But it doesn't matter if it's in front of ESPN's cameras or in front of my glasses, Josh. Reese Fountain has been a star. Yeah. And so I just... In a role that, like, the Chiefs could really use. use. Yes. Like, I, on, on, certain, on certain packages, down in distances, spots of the field, completely agree with you. We've we've talked about Jody Fortson a ton, but, like, the, the fact, the reason that his spot, I think, is a little touch and go is that, like, Travis Kelsey is there doing Travis Kelsey things that Noah Gray, we hope, is doing some interesting things as a pass catcher and that Blake Bell is like an elite blocker for a tight end. Like, there's a lot of talent there that Jody Fortson has to get through. Our conversations about the Chiefs receivers, it's like, man, I just wish they had a guy that was basically what we've seen from Fountain to this point. Like, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I mean, so it'd be, it, it, it's a, it, again, what is the preseason, what is training camp supposed to serve? How are we supposed to reward the back end of this roster if you've done everything appears to be right and you still don't yeah. make the team? I mean, it, uh, you know, there's there's messaging with, with all of this. And again, it, it's, it's just I just want to remind people in the Brett Veach era, this is 2018. Nobody has been drafted and not made the team. And that goes obviously to scouting, obviously building the roster through the draft, understanding how valuable those contracts are because they are a controlled cost. Versus maybe an older, more veteran player, but I think we've I think we've reached the the I think we've reached the moment where maybe this happens, where mm. 
you wave Cornell Powell, you hope he clears waivers, you bring him back on the practice squad. It's clearly a developmental year. And it's and it's it, it honestly could be the same thing as Josh Kando, but mm. I think Josh Kando's played better in the preseason. Yeah. The the practice squad thing, I mean, I, I wonder if they have to have the conversation even of like who do you think you can sneak to your practice squad? But I I think it seems like right now that that Fountain is closer to actually here, here's the here's the comp I've if made Fountain's for the, on waivers, somebody's taking him. Right? And and for Fountain Kemp Powell, let's say that those guys are, are moving for two spots probably, right? Kemp can help right now on on special teams. I think Fountain can help right now offensively, and I don't think that Cornell Powell is right now probably a better special teamer than Kemp or a better wide receiver than Fountain. And again, that's fine. Whenever they drafted him, I we were I think we were all pretty good about going. You know what? Don't expect too much from a receiver in a, in his rookie year in Andy Reid's system. Um, and to continue to cross promote, I got to I had talked to Powell for like ten minutes a, a couple weekends ago, and like he talked about some of the difficulties of of the intricacies of the offense being the biggest jump from Clemson to to the NFL level. Like he was like Clemson prepared me, but also this read and react stuff is different. Like that's been the biggest change in going from one of the best teams in college football to one of the best teams in pro football, but. It's okay if it's a redshirt year. I, I I want Cornell Powell in a Chiefs uniform in 2022 more than I want him in one mm-hmm. to, to be able to watch him in one in 2021. Mm-hmm. I'm just worried that if he's not on the roster that somebody – they just drafted him, which means that the scouting reports that other teams had on him coming out of the draft are still going to be really close to accurate. So if he hits if he hits waivers – and you're if you're Chris Ballard or whatever, maybe you go, damn, like okay, I, I you know, I kind of liked him as a late fifth, but let's bring him in and see what he can do for us in a, in a shallower group. Yeah, but you know, this, this goes to Mac Derrick's point, but it's just like, are you trying to win a Super Bowl? And if that's yeah. the case, yeah, every advantage in the margins you got to take, and you know, as you've alluded to, Josh, and I think, I think. You've made the point that probably Eric Bieniemy and Dave Tobe will make to Andy Reid and to Brett Veach is who helps you more on offense? Okay. Who helps you more on special teams? It's a tough business, kids. Yeah. Oh, that'll be an interesting one come come Tuesday or, or slightly before. You mentioned the defensive line. Let's take a second there because they, they do cut – um, Taco Charlton also uh, shout out to Shane Bouchelle QB3 job is his yep. for at least one more game um, and and solely his he'll get cut and then they'll try to bring him back in the practice squad I'm sure um, or maybe they'll find someone else but he he beat out Anthony Gordon Gordon got cut in the the 90 to 85 or excuse me the 85 to 80 cuts um, but Taco Charlton gets let go and and that is probably better for him than to be in the next round of cut downs because you know he's he's a, a bigger fish in a smaller pond at that point. Um, maybe he'll have a better chance to catch it on somewhere else. But why do they move on from Taco? And then what do you think is interesting about that defensive line depth chart with one preseason game left and then the big cut down coming? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it kind of jumped out to me that Taco Charlton was playing in the fourth quarter against the Cardinals. I felt he was fine. I didn't put him in my fall category or fall lean category of the rising and falling players after the second preseason game. But... Um, as Andy Reid said, and as Tim Ward has shown, um, it, it appears that they chose Tim Ward over Taco Charlton. And like you mentioned, Josh, they tried to give him a little bit of a service 
to have all 32 teams look at his preseason film and judge for themselves. Uh, can this player help us? Maybe not immediately in September, but obviously as they get as he gets to understand who, whoever system he's in, that, that maybe he can help in October, November, and so on. Um, it, 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 you know, Taco practiced and played. It doesn't seem like you know there's probably going to be some lingering stuff with the ankle, um, but by and large he's mostly healthy, uh, so that's a good thing. But look, Tim Ward balled out against uh, the the 49ers. And so I think he's I think he's kind of got the edge right now for that last spot. Damone Harris uh, was mentioned by Andy Reid. Andy Reid thinks Damone Harris, who's been in the system for a while now, um, has done an, an, an adequate job. Uh, you know, there were some conversations because of his hamstring injury in camp, whether Alex Okafor would survive up to this point. He has. Um, he's probably going to have to have a good showing on Friday to stay on the roster. Uh, oh. But he, he goes to that part of continuity he's played in the system for two going on three years now that's a little bit different than Tarko Charlton um and honestly Colin Saunders playing as well as he did made Taco Charlton expendable to some degree because Mm. Chris Jones as we all know will play that hybrid role he'll be outside he'll be inside so you do get some depth advantage there but the guy coming behind him um, beyond Derek Nadi, who, by the way, give all the uh, give all the respect to Derek Nadi. He's very good at football. Jaron Reed, who we know is going to um, fulfill the role that used to be Chris Jones. Uh, Tershawn Wharton, God, he's really good, and I know Seth wants to praise him uh, all the time um, mm-hmm. for how far he's come. Um, but look, Colin Saunders has played really, really well in the preseason. He's dominated uh, stretches at camp you know, when the twos are going against one another. Um, and so you got five D tackles slash one who will play on the outside. And so you could, as I mentioned earlier, you could go, you could go with nine guys on the defensive line. Um, and maybe Tim Ward is that ninth guy. That'll be very interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, I think we've, I was going to ask if there's sort of a guy that, that you think maybe people should be keeping an eye on a little more closely, but like. Yeah, Devin Key, I think he I know he was in your fallers list after this game. I think he might have also that might be two in a row for him, right? Yeah, it's two in a row. But hey, you know, the Chiefs have only given up two touchdowns and he's been on the back end of both of them in the preseason. Yeah, that's not great. But again, if he ends up in the practice squad or whatever, cool. Um I think for me, Taco is a little bit of a surprise, but you know, I, I get it from everything that you've laid out there. I, Cornell Powell would I think probably qualify as a surprise. Um there are a handful of those guys. I, I don't know if there's anybody we haven't mentioned yet that you think might be kind of on the bubble. I will also mention um, that two you might people are probably think wondering about the, all the injured guys, right? Which yes. is a relatively large list at this point. They have to be on the 53 man roster to be able to be designated to return from IR. So like the Jags put Travis Etienne on IR earlier this week. He cannot come back for the 2021 season because you have to make that first 53 man roster to be able to be designated to return later. So even if even if they wanted to give LDT or Long extra weeks, and I think Long could end up on the pup list probably, but um, if they wanted to give LDT extra weeks, he still has to be on the original 53 to be able to IR him and then yes. bring him back. So there there will be some roster shakeups whenever that all happens. Is there anybody else that you think maybe is on is farther on the outside of the bubble than most people would get would, would think? Um no, I, I I think we've mostly covered it. Again, if you want to keep ten guys, Tim Ward is a guarantee. 
If you want to keep nine guys, that essentially comes down to, in my opinion, Joshua Kando and Tim Ward. Again, kind of goes back to the overall discussion of, hey, we drafted this guy, right? Probably, yeah. probably should be on the active roster. But if, but if you keep ten on the D line, which is what they did last year, you you really don't have to worry about it. Um, look, the linebacker situation is probably the same. You're just replacing Damian Wilson and inserting Nick Bolton. Um, I'm fascinated, Josh. Would you keep four safeties? I think, I mean, I think you, yeah, I, I would have no problem with that. I, I would feel pretty good about Matthew, assuming they do think Thornhill's healthy, Sorensen, and probably Armani Watts. Like, I, yeah. I'm okay with that. That doesn't hurt my feelings any. Okay. So, I mean. Because also, know, I mean, Spags does so much stuff with some of the other corners and stuff moving around. In a pinch, if Snead ends up doing some more, like, deeper stuff, that's probably fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, these are just conversations and, and topics that, that even fans can think about. Uh, when they watch Friday's game. But by and large, we knew we were entering this camp what I would say, what, 47 of the 53 roster spots, yeah. pretty secure. And again, that's that's an anomaly compared to, like, most of these NFL rosters. I mean, right. I think most scouts will tell you, we know who our top 35 guys are, but we really got to figure out from that 45 to 53, sometimes from the 40 to 53, if you're a team like the Jags, the Jets, you know, whoever, like, you're really trying to build out that back end. Um, but for championship contenders, um, you know, the Chiefs have the Chiefs have always been in a good spot, as I wrote in the Risers and Fallers story. Like, hey, they're in they're they're in a good problem. <laughs> like there's yep. somebody will be cut or has already been cut, i.e. Taco Charlton, who will be on a roster later on this season and could contribute to another team. Um, it's just do you make these do you make these right decisions and um will somebody make it unassailable to be cut on Friday? And that's mm. that's the funny part of of what happened, you know, just a lovely two years ago. Cause we all thought Jody Fortson had an unassailable <laughs> performance. Then they broke our hearts. And so Hopefully Hopefully we don't have to live through that again though. Hopefully, hopefully that's something that we can look back on. Not like Seth's the- like Seth's former life. Not with him. Not with him. We not. We can't go. We cannot go back, Brett. We can't go back. Can't go back, Andy. <laughs> so you can read everything that Seth has done. MNChiefsFan.Substack.com. You can read Nate's pleas to Brett Veach and Andy Reid at The Athletic. You can follow all of us on Twitter also at by Nate Taylor at Real MN Chiefs Fan. I'm at JB Briscoe. And then, yeah, I think we'll have a show uh, our next episode, I imagine, will be shortly after the roster sort of settles in. Because, again, the cut's on Tuesday, but there will be some other moves. And maybe the Chiefs make a couple of additions somewhere in there, depending on who gets cut. Maybe it's all guys we've already known. Uh, but we will we'll have that conversation sometime next week. Enjoy the last preseason game. And then we can finally begin to look forward to an actual regular season football game. And that sounds just wonderful to me, Nate. Uh, so that being said, get us out of here for our final preseason exit. Here on Time's Ours. I just know right now, it's not September yet. Ease into it, y'all. Ease into it. Everybody, everybody's figuring out the fantasy football draft standpoint <laughs> right now. 
<laughs> Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback. Okay, I just want to make it clear to everybody. Hey, you got your draft going on? It's Teddy's team. Teddy, we ain't going to turn the ball over. Bridgewater is taking over the Denver Broncos. He's not. He's no longer Teddy Two Gloves. He's Teddy, I ain't turning the damn ball over. Okay? That's his name. That's, that's the only reason why Vic picked him. I was like, oh, that's right. Teddy don't really be about that turnover life where, hey, Drew Locke, we just going to let this thing go and see what happens, kids. All I'm saying is, ease into it. We almost there. It's not September yet. Ease into it. It's still really, really hot. Did you know, Josh, that these pumpkin spice lattes are out there? Everybody. Yeah, I can't. Everybody ease into it. <laughs>